Hello and welcome to Two Bald Men and Friend, the show where we talk about issues and ideas using pop culture as the springboard. I'm your host, Joe, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Alex. Hiya! And today we're joined by our friend, Steph. Hey, everybody! Today we're talking about John Tucker Must Die and Playing Hard to Get. So, spoiler alert for John Tucker Must Die. Sit back, relax, or if you're driving, please sit upright and continue to drive vigilantly. Yeah, spoiler alert for the 2006 <laughs> teen rom-com, John Tucker Must Die. Yeah, I hope uh, <laughs> I hope people see this title and are like, oh, I want to listen to that, but I don't know. Like, I might, I might get around to watching John Tucker Must Die. <laughs> like, I don't want them to spoil it. Yeah, I don't know if 14 years is really enough time to, like, yeah. talk about something, like, with spoilers. Like, people get busy. And you don't always get to see the movies you want to see. It's very true. I actually already know one person. I was talking to my friend Kate from Frisbee, and I told her we were watching John Tucker Must Die to record an episode, and she was like, oh, I've always wanted to see that movie. (laughs) And that was it. And I was like, well, it's been 14 years. (laughs) You've had a while. (laughs) Uh, Oh, boy, Kate. I told her it was comparable to Mean Girls, and mm. she was like, listen, I already said I want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> You're overselling it, man. <laughs> so, our superstar best friend, Steph, Woo! is back on the show, and we're really excited to have her. Thanks, guys. Uh, I, I heard you have some, some pretty big news, uh, and I was wondering if you'd want to share it with the listeners. You know, I wanted to share it with you guys. I wanted to share it with all the listeners because that's how excited I am. You guys both know for a hot minute I didn't have a job. But now I do have a job. Um, (laughs) I am newly employed. So excited. (laughs) Um, And the exciting part is, um, so I am an artist and I, you know, have struggled with... Um, jobs that are not really in my field because I feel like, you know, they're not really using my creative energy. I'm not really uh, doing the thing that makes me feel fulfilled. And jobs, you know, they take up so much of your day. I think that it's important for me to, like, feel fulfilled in that job. Steph, do you not like working in a warehouse, being treated like a machine based on numbers? (laughs) Totally hypothetically. If I was treated as if I were a robot, in some unnamed warehouse, um, and my total worth as a person was based solely on numbers, that would make me super unhappy. Huh. Well, I'm glad that was just a hypothetical, <laughs> not something that actually happened to you. Yeah, just a hypothetical. <laughs> um, listeners, I don't want to shock you, but I did experience that very situation. <laughs> <laughs> And now, like, the stark difference that I feel, and I've only worked a week so far, but the difference is absolutely incredible. Um, I make collages all day for this artist who makes installations with collages, and um, I'm just kind of learning the process, but I'm just giving given free reign to, like, make what I want, and... You know, I get feedback like, oh, this is really good. This is the right direction or, you know, try it this way. And um, it's just been a great experience getting like treated like a human 
in my work environment. What a bizarre concept, though, you know? <laughs> right? It's yeah. really... It's new to me. Is that, like, coming up from, like, corporate? Like, it's this new psychological <laughs> thing they're trying to, like, keep employees within the company for longer? Yeah, it's this, like, be. PC uh, corporate policy they've adopted. <laughs> they're they're treating us like they value us. and Yeah. Well, well I'm not going to fall for it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, in this job, corporate doesn't exist. The The main big boss is an artist, which I feel like is the main difference. At the warehouse, there was corporate, and they did this weird thing where they did that very exact thing where they tried to, like, we have to show the warehouse workers we value them. And so at the end of each day, everyone from HR stood outside the warehouse doors and as the warehouse workers left their shift, all the HR people were like, bye, thank you, have a good day, thank you, thank you for your hard work. And it was the I worst. Hate, I hate that. Yeah, it was so, so clearly just like people, like all these HR people in a in a boardroom, like people seem to be unhappy here. How can we fix it? <laughs> it's probably because we're not saying goodbye to them when they leave. <laughs> yeah. All right, we got two options here. Stop treating them like robots or say bye to them. Hmm. <laughs> I think the vote's going to be unanimous for this one. <laughs> yeah, it was the worst. Uh, well, I'm finally glad that you feel like you are being valued at your job. Me too. I, I hope one day I can experience that. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that for you as well. <laughs> but until then, I'm going to live vicariously through movies. Um, so could you tell us <laughs> just a quick synopsis of John Tucker Must Die? Um, great segue, by the way. Thank um, you. John Tucker Must Die is a story about Kate and John Tucker. And Kate, who has serially that's a word, right, moved around to new towns and felt invisible and hasn't had a group of friends, moves to a new high school where John Tucker's the king. In this uh, high school setting, he runs the show. <laughs> um, and boy, does he run it. <laughs> um, Kate observes John Tucker um, using his high school clout to um, date three different girls and hide it from each of them. Um, when the girls find out, Kate convinces them to, instead of being mad at each other, get revenge on John Tucker, and hijinks ensue. Oh, she's been listening to episodes. <laughs> <laughs> but Steph, how does he keep them from finding out that he's dating three different girls? Well, if you know anything about high school... You know that there's something called a click, and clicks never ever talk to anyone else. They stay within their own little circles, um, and so John Tucker uh, smartly chooses to date girls from different cliques who won't talk to each other, so they won't find out. And also, you're gonna say, how does John Tucker uh, stop the girls from, you know? PDA. <laughs> PDA. And, um, well, John Tucker says it's basketball season and my dad doesn't let me date during basketball season, so it has to be a secret. How do you know so much about John Tucker's rules? <laughs> 
Well, I just watched John Tucker <laughs> Must Die yesterday. No, you're supposed to cry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I see. Let's do it again. No, it's too late. <laughs> Y- yes, Steph. You're, you're supposed to be crying because you know so much about his rules. That was a that was a good part. But that was the first big laugh that got us laughing. That's true. Um, I'm gonna go straight into the rating for John Tucker Must Die. As an audience member, I enjoyed it. It played into really fun high school stereotypes and also was, like, leaning towards starting to become progressive, which I was interested in. Uh, So I gave it four stars. Nice. As an audience member, um, I, I probably also give it four stars. It's a movie that's pretty nostalgic for me. Um, I watched it, you know, in middle school and it was very fun and I definitely remember it from then but also I do think as an audience member it's not the movie that like you know that I would go to mm-hmm. yeah I agree um, I'll give it a four same as you guys wow um, I know four, four is all across the board nice one for each girl that John Tucker yeah. dates in the movie um yeah, Alex, when you said it's, like, leaning towards being progressive, um, I appreciate at the end, just to jump ahead, that John and Kate don't, like, end up together, yeah. which I feel is, like, the typical uh, teen movie trope of, like, oh, this started as a game, but now, like, we actually care about each other. Yeah. Um, so I appreciated that. Um, but also, Steph, what you said, if I were to watch, like, a teen movie, it's probably gonna be Mean Girls, right? Or not another teen movie. Yeah. Mm. But it was it was good. Like, I, I think the I think I just enjoy those other two movies better. Yeah. Uh, the and the, and the premise is pretty similar. Like, uh, John Tucker Must Die came out two years after Mean Girls. And it's the same premise of, all right, you're new here, so we're actually going to change you to attract this group of people or person that we don't like so that we can sabotage them from the inside. Yeah. And that'll show them. And it did? (laughs) But it also showed us. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, As a critic, I'm going to give it two stars. Really? As a, as a critic, I'm going to I'm going to give it 4 still because I think what it does, it does really well. I think that the movie is pretty much exactly what it needs to be. I thought the dialogue was really chunky and awkward. Oh. Um and they did the trope of trying to make the main character ugly when she's not. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. And just put some glasses on. (laughs) And make her, you know, a little awkward. Girls don't like that. I don't know, boys don't like that. (laughs) Um, I'm going to drop it down to just a three. Um, But I agree, the the dialogue isn't the best. One line that, like, always stuck out in my head was um, when Kate and her mom are arguing. I've only seen this movie once before. Mm -hmm. But since like middle school or whatever I saw it I very strongly remember when Kate and her mom are fighting about her Kate's mom's new boyfriend and she goes he's on a layover and he's just looking for someone to lay over 
<laughs> so good. What are you guys talking about? <laughs> right, with the exception of incredible puns. Uh. <laughs> um, my favorite line, maybe in the whole movie, is when the girls see Kate's mom and the girls are like, your mom is hot. And Kate's response is just, she does yoga lattes. <laughs> I love it so much. Uh, that explains it away. <laughs> yeah, uh, this movie showed me, I guess, how young I was in 2006. Because I thought, like, being vegan and, like, Pilates and stuff like that was all, like, a 2010 thing. Like, that's when that stuff became, like, really big. Yeah. But, like, that's in this movie. Yeah. Well, I'd argue that veganism was being made fun of in 2006. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe it still wasn't the movement that it is. I think veganism still gets made fun of. I don't think it's that different. I do think it's more mainstream. Like, a little bit like D&D. Like, people still get made fun of for D&D and watching anime, but it's getting pretty mainstream. Mm-hmm. Well, ever since... Uh... Scott Pilgrim, like everybody's trying to get those vegan powers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, going back to that conversation between mom and daughter, that mom takes no accountability for Kate's uh, low self-esteem. Yeah. She's like, Kate, the reason you keep saying you were a nobody before you changed yourself to fake seduce this guy is because you never put yourself out there. And Kate should quickly reply, I never put myself out there because we had to move every single time you ended a relationship. (laughs) Yeah, Kate's mom is, uh, she has her own issues. Like, she skips Mm -hmm. town. That's crazy. She moves. Poor Kate. (laughs) Yeah, it's a really extreme reaction to a relationship ending. But that was before the house market crashed, so it made sense <laughs> that she could just move whatever she wanted. Yeah. Oh, that's why. It was two years before. <laughs> yeah. Is Kate's mom the reason that... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Damn it, Kate's mom. <laughs> How deep does this rabbit hole go? <laughs> um, I went back and forth as to whether or not I liked the stereotypes of Heather, the cheerleader... Carrie, the club prez, smart, going to Harvard person. Beth, the activist slash vegan. It was funny sometimes, and other times I'm like, so they don't have any other personality? Oh no, they definitely yeah. don't. <laughs> do, do people have personality outside of their cliques in <laughs> high school? Not that no. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do appreciate um, that activist was the third click yeah like they were like cheerleader student government Um. protester like activists (laughs) yeah oh not like not like goth or like musical theater kid Uh like he went (laughs) Ooh, i would have loved a theater kid (laughs) they can't go it's 2006 right they Uh can't go too weird Mm -hmm. or too nerdy right so they gotta stay away from goth and theater and like you know, that kind of thing. So if this movie was remade today, would the third chick be an anime watcher? Because <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'd argue that is a whole personality. <laughs> <laughs> Every time she speaks, she's like, this reminds me of something from this anime. <laughs> 
Um, I appreciated John changing his personality for each girl. So, like, he's really working. Like... (laughs) Yeah, and so I liked how he does the same thing with Kate, right? So he... He does his little research. He goes to his brother, who knows Kate. Scott. Scott. Such a good character. Um, (laughs) And Scott is all like, you know, you won't be her type because you don't like all of these things. And he's like, I do now. (laughs) And, And, like, it works. And Kate, you know, in his car on the way home from their first date is like, oh, you like this music that I like, too? And, like, is impressed. And it kind of was framed, like, this is different. Like, John Tucker is actually falling in love with her, but also everything he did with every other girl is what he's doing with Kate. (laughs) But, to be fair, in high school, if you have similar musical tastes, it's destiny. (laughs) My, uh... It wasn't, like, a real crush, but the first time I was like, I think I have a crush on a girl, was literally because she wore a Panic! at the Disco hoodie. Yes. And I was like, I like Panic! at the Disco. (laughs) I 100% lied about the music I liked to have conversations (laughs) with girls about it. I I didn't do any of that. It worked once. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Interestingly enough... When the girls find out about each other and they start fighting, and Kate is the voice of reason, they're all like, who are you? And are ruthlessly mean to her for no reason. Yeah. Um, And then when they get detention and she talks again, they're all like, oh my god, he's been telling us all the same thing. And he makes you feel guilty when you want a little bit more and this, that, and the other. And I'm like, "Are are they talking about gaslighting? Like, is before gaslighting was a term? Because, yeah, I think they are. Oh, I hope they address. Nope, they never bring it up again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, Going back to the girls, the girls definitely gaslit Kate. Like, they were so mean. They weren't good friends. And, like, very specifically, the moment where Kate stops like doing what they want she says I don't think I can do I don't think I can seduce John Tucker I don't think I can you know do that they're like but you made a promise Kate a blood oath and they start to leave they're like I guess we'll just take all of our junk food that we were just having fun with a second ago and leave and she's like this is the first time I've had friends and so she's like fine fine and it's so terrible. <laughs> I'm not crying. You are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they take full advantage of Kate and her uh, an- an- anonymity. An- 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 anonymity. Anonymity? And a- I said anemone. I said it. <laughs> we all heard me say it. <laughs> There's no need to, uh, you know, correct. We, we all got it right. <laughs> Uh, And at the end of the day, the message of John Tucker, it's wrong to get with girls by changing who you are. Did everyone get that message? Yeah, that's what I got. I was like, okay, I should I should continue to just be myself. 
and never budge at all. <laughs> oh, good, good. But like John Tucker doesn't change who he is at the like at the end of the movie, he's not a new person. He just stops lying. Yeah. So now he still dates as many girls as he wants, but he's open about it. Which um, is progressive in and of itself. Yeah, I would say that is good, but I think that lying versus keeping other relationships from some that's like a, a not just a lie. That's like <laughs> that's a little bit bigger than just a lie. So um I would say that maybe that gets glossed over a little bit, but um but I do think that it's you know funny. Yeah, the uh the end of the, the movie really is just like and everyone wins, you know? <laughs> like Yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, like John Tucker's like actions never really get addressed yeah. they're kind of just like ha now you like someone that d- like and they hurt your feelings like how does that feel and he's like pretty bad i guess <laughs> yeah but uh <laughs> i think that was word for word he was yeah. like well it worked <laughs> <laughs> yeah i did i loved how in control John was of everything. Like, he genuinely has the highest self-esteem. Yeah. Despite the fact that, like, the way that he juggles girls implies low self-esteem and, like, needing that affection in that different form. Like, he gets through people believing he has genital herpes, uh, consuming estrogen and getting emotional during a basketball game. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine? <laughs> Getting his heart broken. He got through all of it. Yeah. Um, Wearing a thong in front of a teacher. <laughs> yeah. And oh, my gosh. That's so mean, girls, right? When um, Regina George gets the, the boobs of her shirt cut out, mm-hmm. and then everyone's doing it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, John Tucker's wearing a thong. <laughs> I saw John Tucker wear a thong, and so I wore a thong. <laughs> yeah. Um... And I would say really the biggest thing that I would want to change about this movie is going to get us into our broad topic in the second half. And that's that message of girls that play hard to get, get the guy. That's something that John Tucker Must Die could potentially fix if it were to be remade for some random reason. Um, I totally believe that could happen. I would hate it, but... That just seems to be the culture we live in now. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> or maybe they'll make it into a Broadway musical. Oh, okay, I'd be into it. I'd watch that. <laughs> and maybe there'll be like a sequel on ABC Family that, <laughs> that I never watched. But... <laughs> yes. <laughs> but you saw one commercial for and we're like, they're not even the same characters. <laughs> that was exactly my critique. <laughs> Uh, So tune in the second half to find out why it's such an unhealthy form of reasoning to play hard to get. Fellas, are you getting to that age where 
you know, you might want to fool around, but physically you just can't anymore. I'm sure you've heard of prescribed medications like Viagra and Cialis. Or even non-prescribed medications like Blue Chew. Well, we have come up with something even faster activating than Blue Chew. Red Gusher. Red Gusher has a liquid center, so it is even faster acting than the chewable Blue Chew. So fast acting that four out of five doctors claim that it's dangerous to use. And because it's so fast acting, it will only work for two to three minutes. If erections persist for longer than four minutes, please consult a doctor. Red Gusher. Go to your local CVS today. <laughs> boy, oh boy, I don't know about you guys, but I'm ready to go out and purchase those goods or services. Yum, yum. So this is our Valentine's Day episode, um, and so we thought it would be good to kind of share our thoughts on Valentine's Day as a whole. Yeah, apparently um, it's uh, a divisive topic. Uh-huh, uh-huh, very, um, very polarizing. Yeah. So, I can appreciate Valentine's Day. Um, I understand, like, there are arguments against it that every single television show thinks they're the first to bring up. Um, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's a nice little excuse to, like, go out um, and spend some time with your loved ones. Um, one thing I do dislike, though, is the pressure to celebrate valentine's day on valentine's day mm. which i know is like the exact opposite of what i just said <laughs> but like if you and whoever you're celebrating valentine's day with are like both busy i don't think it's worth it to like bend over backwards to like make sure you get to do something on valentine's day right yeah i think like the valentine's day weekend thing like I'm pretty into Valentine's Day because at the end of the day, like, if, if you're saying, well, you can use any day to be romantic, sure. You can use any day to be thankful, but on Thanksgiving, we just do it a little extra hard. Like, mm -hmm. any holiday, quote-unquote. But I also recognize the commercialism of Valentine's Day. I do sometimes feel like I'm getting taken advantage of, um... But my best argument for Valentine's Day is without Valentine's Day, Galentine's Day couldn't exist. <laughs> yes. And at the end of the day, I think that makes it worth it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's a worthy trade-off. I have pretty strong opinions about people who want to ruin things for other people. Um, and I just <laughs> feel like Valentine's Day, if, if you don't want to celebrate it, it's a really easy thing to not celebrate. But you, just, you see it everywhere, Steph. <laughs> no, you don't. I just, like, so, the right, the argument, right, like you said, Alex, is it's, it's so, it's so commercial, and it's so, you know, getting taken advantage of by capitalists and, like, all this stuff, and, yeah, there's a lot of that. Just like around Christmas, it's the same argument as to why you shouldn't enjoy something. And... All of that stuff can can very easily be cut out of the holiday. You can not buy something and you can not purchase, you know, something. And I just think that 
the, like you were saying, this excuse to like really think about the people that are important in your life, the people that you love, very much, and I, I think it extends to non-romantic. Valentine's Day is traditionally about romantic love, but I think just like, like Galentine's Day celebrates female friendship and that it's a beautiful thing that people get to celebrate the people they love and that I hate when people just want to be ruiners and ruin things. <laughs> this, like, they, they're joy crushers. Like, let me enjoy this joy thing crushers. <laughs> without you being a butt. I, I am a fan of the subculture of single for life. Like, Valentine's Day <laughs> is just another reminder that I'm single. You like that? I like that people can find solidarity in that. Uh, yeah. Like, especially the memes that come out of uh-huh, it. Uh-huh. Like, you on Valentine's Day. Me on Valentine's Day. And it's just, like, crying. <laughs> um, I joined that app Meetup recently. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I saw was, like, annual anti-Valentine's Day, like, mixer or whatever, like... Yeah, like, the are, mixer single, like, to go meet someone to get to celebrate Valentine's Day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will say, uh, quote-unquote, the worst-case scenario is someone trying to explain to their significant other why they're not interested in Valentine's Day and the other person being super interested in Valentine's Day... But really, the solution there is give in to the person that's interested in Valentine's Day. Because <laughs> yeah. if it makes them happy, it should also make you happy. Like, it yeah. really isn't that yeah. much of an obstacle. Like, but that's what society wants. <laughs> <laughs> what, are we supposed to just go to dinner, enjoy each other's company? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, dear. <laughs> um... All right, so so those are your opinions on Valentine's Day. Uh, what are your opinions on this concept of playing hard to get is the best way to get a man? Or woman, but I think it's mostly told to women for men. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right. I think it is a dangerous narrative to spread. <laughs> um, it's that old thing of... No means yes, and uh, it's pretty not cool. That's very true. No, it's it's no means not yet, and then not yet means yes later. Mm. Yeah, there's inter- there's intermediate steps. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for those who like have never heard the phrase "playing hard to get," maybe you've heard the phrase "don't be too easy" or "always leave him wanting more." It's all about the chase. Yeah, or make him work for it. All of those expressions are pushing that narrative of play hard to get so that he proves that he's interested. If you're too easy, no one buys the cow that gives the milk for free, right? Yeah. Interesting. That's not... I know this isn't what we're talking about. That's not exactly right. But I I really enjoy the visual of a cow like milking itself <laughs> and then like handing out buckets. Of milk. No, that's on topic. <laughs> and I know that that's a metaphor for sex, but specifically, like if a cow did that, I'd be more interested in buying that cow. <laughs> yeah, I'd be holy shit. 
That cow's got thumbs. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I actually might have some alternative opinions on this because exactly what you guys are saying, true, like, don't, like, it's not good to spread this message, like, chase me or, like, you know, no means yes and that stuff. However, (laughs) um, and, and maybe this comes from, like, being a woman or, like, having a different experience, but I do find it a very big turnoff when a man that I just met that day or I'm just hanging out with or don't know very well shows a very clear interest in me. Why are you staring right at me? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's like I go into these situations where I meet new people and it's like we're just getting to know each other. And, you know, there are scenarios in which a man then, you know, like sp- pays a special attention to me or like, um, you know, is just a little bit clear about um, intentions. intentions and... The reason that that is a turnoff that I think is that you don't know me. Like, how can you possibly be interested in me? Like, it seems so disingenuous. You're probably this way with every girl you find mildly attractive. Um, And maybe this is a different thing than playing hard to get. Maybe it's different. But I'm much more likely to be attracted to someone who is, like, you know, normal. (laughs) Is, like... Steph, why are you looking at Joe now? Um, Who approaches a social situation just in, like, a, you know, we're getting to know each other. And once you know each other more, then pursue something romantic, maybe. Like, maybe in that way, I think there's something to be said about being a little bit um, not restrictive, patient, like holding that initial like attraction back a little bit, Um, which is not what John Tucker does when he sees Kate for the first time, (laughs) in which he's not even a little. (laughs) He sees her and is like asks um, Heather, who's that girl? Because they changed, I think, only her outfit. <laughs> and he's like, whoa! He's all like, auga. <laughs> yeah, all like, auga. And um, <laughs> he approaches her immediately, and um, she, you know, is aloof, and he then sends her, like, 12 bouquets of flowers. So... Aww. <laughs> Kate is playing hard to get, but John Tucker's being very aggressive, um, which, if I was in Kate's position, that would be a giant turnoff. Like, what do you, what do you yeah, mean? She's like, why are you guys like John Tucker? He's a huge nerd. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Doesn't even know how to talk to chicks. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I do agree with a lot of what you're saying, Steph. I think the initial attraction and then jumping immediately to do you want to go on a date that concept is really abstract to me Mm -hmm. I've never like gone on a romantic date 
before like befriending someone or like getting to know them like yeah in what i see of pop culture you get to know someone through dates but right. my only experience has been you go on a date after you get to know someone yeah i um i appreciated that perspective stuff like i i never i didn't think of framing it that way thanks jim um, but i'd also think I would say that's a little different from playing hard to get mm-hmm. um, in the sense of... No, I guess it's the same. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's... Uh, um, oh, sorry. If you can... Oh, no, sorry. I was just going to say, um, like, the idea of you do like this person, but pretend not to to make them like you, right. I think, is, like, the more dangerous framing that, like, I was talking about. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you sh- you should also get to know someone before you like are like yep i'm all in like let's do this thing (laughs) yeah i met you today (laughs) the goal of playing hard to get is to hide your feelings so that you don't look too desperate or too available because then you get treated like crap hypothetically Mm -hmm. that's the fear but steph what you're explaining is you're being honest to your feelings and you're taking action based on those feelings. So I would argue that they are different because playing hard to get is a game. Like mm-hmm. you're you're going yeah. against what you think. And really what it comes down to is a lack of proper communication yeah. or rudeness. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I do think, I guess exactly what you said, playing hard to get. I think is derived from this idea of don't jump straight into it, like be a little patient, but it kind of got misconstrued maybe. And it's like, no, if you're too, too this or too that or too clingy, then they won't like you. But then it's, it kind of got morphed into, you got to hide all that stuff, you know, be aloof and don't let them know when so it's it's i feel like they're kind of two sides of the same coin yeah avatar the last airbender has a great episode where ang learns to be aloof yes and he tries to do it to katara and it doesn't affect her at all because he she sees them as friends um but sokka thinks that ang is talking about this other girl so he's genuinely uh, being aloof to the other girl <laughs> because he's not interested. And Sokka's like, wow, he's good. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that episode. So uh, good. What a fantastic show. <laughs> um, but studies show, and I don't have the data to back it, <laughs> but I read it somewhere. It turns out we don't like people who don't like us. Yeah. Seems to make sense. (laughs) Uh, It's like the law of reciprocacy or something like that. Mm. But when you play hard to get, you're saying, hey, you got to work for it. And that immediately attracts a certain type of person. Mm -hmm. Someone who likes the chase. Someone who likes to win. But sometimes that adrenaline is really all they're looking for. And if you're playing hard to get, they don't get to know you until they've quote-unquote got you. Mm -hmm. So once you're finally together or dating or something, then it's like, all right, now to get to know you from scratch. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to go back to what you were saying about dating and, like, never having just 
asked someone out before being friends, I think that's so valid for a very, very short period of time in my life. I was on the online dating uh, scene, and I went on precisely four dates. Um, And I just found it so uncomfortable in that suddenly, once you agree to meet up with someone, there's an expectation. There's, like, this date, we're going to decide if we're, like, interested in seeing each other. And, like, you know, there's, like, this, like, mild kind of expectation of, like, kissing or, like, being physical. And, like, all of that just was, like, too much for me. Like, it was hard to get out of this mindset of we're just getting to know each other. It was, like, all of this pressure of, a like, a date. Um, And it was so uncomfortable. And I very immediately found that, like, I can't get to know someone like that. Like, I was not interested in any of these guys that I met because they didn't meet this expectation of, like, oh, we're on a date and I have to decide and all of this stuff. And um, it just seems like a really, really inefficient way. So you just took advantage of those (laughs) men for a free meal. Is that what happened? No. I I definitely (laughs) split... um, uh, at least I can't remember. I paid for oh how convenient. Plenty. <laughs> um, I always offered to pay. Maybe this makes me a hypocrite, but I do think it's very attractive when a man like insists on paying. <laughs> no, I agree. <laughs> when someone, not not a man specifically, but if someone pays for my meal, I'm like, ooh, you get <laughs> right. <laughs> um, okay, just so you guys know, your your love languages are gift giving. It sounds like <laughs> acts of service. Yeah, like... and that's not bad. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you said it like it would. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I um, think it's sort of getting back to what we've been talking about. There, there's this weird expectation in like, particularly now with all the dating apps and stuff. Not only, okay, we get to know each other through dates, but you kind of only give the person one date. Yeah. And I think that is, uh, Steph, you said it was inefficient, and I think that's a really good word for yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's very um, Western American culture. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, apparently, in Europe or in Asia, like, a lot of the dating, one, uh, in Asia, it's done, like, with a parent involved. (laughs) Uh, But the dating is exactly that, like, let's go on multiple dates to see if we like each other, rather than let's go on one date, and if he calls me back, that means he likes me. Right. But if he calls me back before three days, he likes me too much. Yeah. (laughs) And vice versa. Yeah, I've I've only ever been attracted to, like, oh, she texts me back right away. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's enough for me. <laughs> That's all it takes. Uh, going back to our initial conversation of how no means yes with this um, playing hard to get and how it, like, reinforces rape culture... I think that sense of playing hard to get implies there's a hunter and there's a prey. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's also like a glaring double standard for women because now 
It's if they say yes too quickly, they're promiscuous. If they say no for too long, they're a tease. And there's, like, no way to win for a girl. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's a, it's a real fine line that you have to, to walk. And it kind of just ends with, like, well, you're going to have to give in when they want. Mm. Right. Well, yeah, when you say the phrase, like, always leave him wanting more, you're putting his desires as more important than yours. Mm. So, and then in that sense, there's an obligation to consent at some point because eventually you have to, quote unquote, stop playing hard to get if you want to keep him. Yeah. Which, again, is ignoring what you might want. Uh, and then... If it works, you've just rewarded someone who ignored consent. <laughs> yeah. you, you are now a trophy to someone who pestered you enough that you gave in, quote unquote. It just creates like such a, a dangerous circumstance and misunderstanding because now there are some girls who genuinely say no because they're not interested and some girls who say no because they're testing you and some girls who say no because they're insecure and don't really know what your intentions are. Luckily, or hopefully, we are moving in the direction of let women say what they actually want. Mm. <laughs> Imagine that. Um, I literally can't. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and how do you guys feel about how that works in John Tucker? Um, because I feel like in the same way that um, John Tucker changes himself and it works for Kate, Kate plays hard to get and it works for John. Um, like, every single time Kate responded eagerly, like, you know, like, oh, I'm getting to know, so, like, she was like, really? Or... She quickly diverted to an aloofness, and that seemed to attract John. <laughs> like, he definitely wasn't falling in love with the, like, quirky, eager Kate. He was into the mysterious, popular Kate. But you know who was interested in quirky, yeah. eager uh, Kate? Scott! Scott Tucker, paint, uh, played by Penn Badgley. Yes. The other Tucker. I'm so glad we got around to Scott Tucker. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I totally ignored your question. <laughs> That's true. I think, uh, I think your question comes down to something we sort of brought up. Um, I think that based on the fact that he dates multiple women in secret... Um, John Tucker loves the chase. Ah. So that's, I think that's why he responds well to uh-huh, uh-huh. Kate's aloofness. Right, so the the chase attracts a certain type of man. And I think they sort of address this in the movie. If they got to the point of being official and being boyfriend and girlfriend, they would eventually have to re- reveal their real selves to each other, and they don't care for each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And John's attracted to the idea of a woman who isn't instinctually interested in him. Yeah. And Kate is attracted to a guy who did research on her and pretended to like those things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who wouldn't, though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's my stance. Just a quick aside for Scott Tucker, because I think he's worth talking about just a little bit, 
before we wrap up. Um, Scott Tucker is the quote other Tucker, um, which only matters in one scene in which John Tucker goes to him to ask advice about Kate. Other than that, he's just a cute, quirky guy that's interested in Kate. And I do, I do resent the stereotype a little bit that he was like the only guy that saw her, um, <laughs> which I hate. But um, I, I love their quirky little banter. I love uh, his jokes about being her lab partner because my favorite now I did say my favorite line was yoga lotties but perhaps I retract and make my favorite line <laughs> when Scott Tucker says well it depends who you ask because I clearly said dear god man you're on fire run for your life <laughs> and the delivery of that ever since I was young really really gets me <laughs> um, and then also me and Alex, when we were watching this, were like, you know, like 10 points off this movie for every time there's sad Scott. <laughs> and there's just little, like, shots of Scott Tucker, like, from beyond a fire, like, looking really forlorn. <laughs> and it's so sad. And I find it so funny. <laughs> I do find Scott's uh, quirkiness and his form of attraction to Kate a lot more endearing. Yeah. Um, but Scott also falls into the trope of, oh, Kate's not romantically interested in me. I'm going to stop being her lab partner. And like, oh, yeah, he, he wasn't interested in a friendship. He was only interested in... I think it... I will argue a little bit that he was hurt. So he was like... Oh, I think like I think we're getting along. I think she's interested. And then suddenly the next time he sees her, he's she's on a date with his brother. I feel like maybe it was more like a ouch. <laughs> um, but I, I do think that um, it's very important in movies to show that like being friends with a woman is still worth it. <laughs> and that's what I have to say about Scott Tucker. Uh Steph, I'm glad you uh, brought up Scott Tucker because um, I forget which other episode I spoke about this, but um, just like how I appreciate at the end of this, it's not like, oh, it turns out John Tucker and Kate are actually great for each other. Um, that was this then, episode but then also, in the first half. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but then also Scott and Kate, it's kind of, like, assumed, like, yeah, they're probably going to start dating, like, once the movie's over. Mm -hmm. But th that's not, like, a, a certainty. It's just kind of, like, well, now we can continue our uh, relationship, whatever that is. Yeah, now we other. can all be ourselves. And since they're going to be themselves, Kate's probably not going to play hard to get. Yeah. And so they're going to be open and honest about their feelings for each other. I feel like everyone learned something in this movie. Yeah, it's a good ending. I certainly did. <laughs> pop, pop. That'll do it for this episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Please tune in next time when we talk about Ratatouille. If you liked us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at two underscore bald men and find us on Facebook and two bald men podcast.com. Please rate and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Thank you all again, and if you were driving, we hope you got to your destination safely and on time.